We're now going to turn to 1 Peter on page 1188. Peter 4, chapter 4, under the heading Living for God. And we're going to read verses 1 to 11. 1188 is the page. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. We who have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. I wonder if you'd like to get up and just say hello to someone you haven't said hello to today. Stand up and move somewhere and do that and greet someone and come back. Well, that was quick. We're all done. Hello. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. It was all right. Sorry to do that. You uh, pulled that on you. Let's let's pray. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we do pray as we come to your word that you would help us, help us to understand, to apply, to hear what you have for us to say, to change, to be encouraged, to realize what you would like and how you want us to live and keep me from error, we would pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to know who has been sitting there the whole of the service going, what on earth do we read Samson for? Do we read Samson? Who's been thinking, what on earth is that about? Who likes Samson? Bill, you like Samson. You see, you see yourself in Samson? 
<laughs> what what do you think of when you think of Samson? What was that? Haircuts. Oh yeah, of course, haircuts. Yes, yes, haircuts. You you need one or no, you look fine, do yeah. I need one. Anything else? Phil, you had something? Strength. It's hard not to think of strength. And, and yes, thanks, Mel. Failure. Poor choices. Poor choices. You're being very kind, Joyce. That's a very kind way, I think, to say speak of Samson to say poor choices. They're abysmal, abominable choices. This is Samson, isn't he? He is. He is a disaster on wheels, so to speak. He is. So why on earth would I pick him today? The truth is I chose him because he's a lot of fun in one sense, but he's the anti-hero. He's the anti-guy of this passage. He's the opposite of what Peter writes to us. Peter, as you know, has been urging us from chapter 2, verses 11 to 12, to live as aliens and strangers, to abstain from sinful desires which are all around us, he, uh, and he wants us to live good lives. He wants these people to live good lives amongst the people around them who are doing all sorts of things and, and want them to do it with them, but they're to stand strong, to glorify God and keep going. He wants them to know that they have a new way of life. He wants them to know that they are to be obedient to Christ. He wants them to know to glorify God and live well. If they do that, others will notice, even as they oppose them. And so he has Christ's attitude right there. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, in verse 4, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Christ sought his Father's will. He did and obeyed God. He obeyed his father and that's the course he set for his life and it would take him all the way to the cross for us. Samson is completely the opposite. Samson is someone right from the start knew he was God's. And his whole life is spent not being. He is someone who spends his whole life running away, escaping, fleeing, trying not to be whom God has called him to be. An amazing example. It's a strange one. Christ, on the other way, on the other hand, sets the course of his father. He sets the course of obedience even to death on the cross. So Peter says, follow, be like Jesus. Verse 2, as a result, do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. Peter wants them to do the will of God. He wants them to live for the will of God. 
The problem is when you say, do the will of God, the question usually is, what does God want me to do? How do I obey God's will for my life? It's a normal question that people ask, but it's actually a question that, do you notice how we shift the focus from God to me? It's a very subtle one. What does God want me to do with my life? Uh, I have a very simple answer for that. Maybe it won't satisfy you. I don't know. But uh, John said this, uh, 1 John 2.17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. It's important. It's important. Jesus said, Mark 3, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Why did he say that? Do you remember the context? Mark 3, 35, whoever does God's will is my brother, sister and mother. Why did he mention his mother? It's because they come. Mom, your mum and your brothers are here. And his reply, his reply was, my mother, my brother, my sister and mother is anyone who does the will of God. John 6, he said, my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have life and will raise them up at the last day. The first words, my father's will, for my father's will. So what does it mean to be doing the will of God? Simply put, it's to be following Jesus to be obedient to him, to love his ways. And all that you do, set your course, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you do it in a way that pleases God. It means you won't do the things in verse 3. Were you shocked in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, anyone? Maybe not. Let me read it for you. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Again, that's just choosing what everyone else is doing in society. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm writing that letter to you any time soon in a, in a publication. Have you ever been to Pompeii? Anyone been to Pompeii? Do you have any memories of Pompeii? Wayne? What's the, what's the memory you have? Uh, it is pretty barren. And it was hot when I was there. Was it hot? When you were there? Hot and barren, true. Anything else? Oh, you didn't see those things? They're the things, you know, it was actually good that you didn't. Anyone else been? No? No one's going to admit to it? No one's going to admit? I did. I went in and I saw it. And it's the thing. It's, it's a really strange event. When you go there, there's so many amazing things. This is incredible. But the thing you walk out with, the thing that I walked out with, maybe it's because I am who I am. I don't know. But there are pictures on the wall. And they're doing all sorts of things. I'm not even allowed to say them. It's incredible. That was society. And so when Peter writes this, it's going on around them. To go to the local pagan temple to worship pagan gods, all sorts of things could happen. 
and the list is there. It's a tough list. It's going on around them. And what happens if, if we've got the pagan god? He's one of the important deities for our society. This is how our society functions, lives, how our god, this god, that god, looks after our society. If you don't go to that temple and do those things they want you to do, you're causing a problem for society. They're going to be your neighbours. are going to be asking, why aren't you down there doing that temple? It was a problem, a real problem, one that they would cop a hard time for. Paul says, verse 4, those around them are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living and heap abuse on you. Samson, as you might remember, if you look at verse 3, that's his life. That's what he does. That's all he does. He enjoys himself too much. He's always looking for trouble. He's looking for people. He's looking for women. He's looking for all sorts of things. He's not what he was made to be. His life shows I don't want to be. Peter, on the other side, on the other count, of course, says, set your course on what God wants. It's very wise stuff. Set your course to follow Christ and to glorify the God whom you know. It's vital. It's important. And it's the alien attitude which we must have, which is followed by the alien love from verse 7 to 9. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. There it is, that uh, the attitude that leads you to sober thinking, sober mind. What does sober mind mean to you? What do you think when someone says sober-minded? Be sober-minded. Yeah. It doesn't mean drunk, be the opposite of drunk, but it, it obviously picks up something from that. If you've ever met someone who's intoxicated, their thinking is all over the place. So it's the opposite, that your thinking be straight, wise, alert, planned, Self-control. Set your mind to be the people you want to be. You have this attitude of glorifying God. That's the base. So now set your heart in a way thinking clearly about how you operate. Be alert. Be someone who is self-controlled. Be someone who sets the right course and sets it in a way that you can stay there. Self-control is the foundation of a godly life. And he says, love each other deeply. Now, we're Presbyterians. We don't really like the word love much. It's not a serious enough word. It's used in all sorts of ways. And so we tend to avoid it, we'd have to say. Peter doesn't avoid it. He says, Love each other 
deeply. I know a bunch of uh, blokes I could sit around and say, we should love one another, and they would look at me as though I'd had four heads and they would make all sorts of jokes. And it wouldn't mean anything. That's probably the, one of the problems of the word. Obviously, people who perhaps don't share our uh, commitment to the Bible and things like the word love. So it's one of our problems. We react against that. Well, it's still a Bible word. There's a reason for that. What is that reason? What do you think? Why is love so important? Nina smiles. What do you think? God is love. Yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable for us Presbyterians, that sentence, God is love. But it's true. And so at the heart of what God has done for us, of course, is love. Love one another deeply. 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God. That's a, so that's a Samson type thing. Samson is a guy who knows nothing of love. He knows nothing of commitment to anyone. He has no sober thinking. He's clear-minded. He couldn't be more scattier if he tried. He wants to be scattered. He wants to do the wrong thing. Don't do this. That's what he will do. Again, Samson is the opposite. Maybe it's not a good teaching technique, but he is the opposite. Instead, we had to be sober-minded and alert and band together. We will need each other as we face what's going on around us. Pray, love, forgive. It's an important thing, isn't it? Love covers over a multitude of sins. Have you heard that saying before? That's where it comes from, right from here. It's a bit like leopard can't change its spots. Did you know that's in the Bible too? It's interesting. Uh, but getting back to away from leopards, love covers a multitudes of sins. As you know, there will be someone here who really ticks you off. There will be someone who you have a problem with, maybe every now and then, or have had. Peter knows that too. It's hard not to emphasise that line. Above all, love each other deeply. As we know, Peter knows the simple truth, God is love, way more complex than we know, and that the core of whom God is, is that commitment to love one another. God is holy, God is just, God is majestic, and, but he's also merciful and forgiving. God is love. And so... We must love one another. That John 13 command, which our friends who uh, tend to be a bit more liberal than us love, a new command I give you, love one another. Can't avoid it. It's out of Jesus' words. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Of course, that echoes what Peter has been saying. Live good lives, love one another, and it has an effect that people notice. We can't deny that. We must do it. We band together and love each other. Going back to Samson, how, how many people do you see in Samson's story? Do you remember? 
Samson's running around with a crowd of people whom he's constantly looking after, loving and serving. Is that what happens in the story? He's a very isolated character, Samson. He's the opposite again. Here we're commanded to band together, to love each other deeply. Samson loves no one. <laughs> and he's never with anyone. And when he is, he's doing the wrong thing and it's destructive. Peter wants us, as we meet together, to love one another. And thirdly, alien gifts. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What is the, we read the end of Samson's life. What happens at the end of Samson's life? What did you, how do you take it? You notice that, don't you? Yeah, it's certainly there. Yeah. Hmm. Anyone? Hmm. Yeah. It's it's the great irony of Samson's life. It's why we, it is why we read it. Is that finally? after all he has not been and tried not to be, <laughs> finally, ironically and tragically, mixed in a mixed way, he actually does what God wants him to do. He's run his whole life away from that fact. But right at the end, he gives a glimpse of, gra of grabbing hold of what God has asked him to do. Tragically, mixed, but it's there. Peter's saying whatever we gift we have, we should serve one another. Whatever talent God has given us, we should use them for God's glory. It says there, uh, if anyone speaks, they should do as someone who speaks the very words of God. I don't take that as what I'm doing right now, although it wouldn't be not included. I take that as anyone who speaks to anyone. That's how I take that. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So it's a, I think it's a very general instruction, but notice that whatever you do in all things, God may be praised to him, Jesus, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. 1, chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 obviously gives us lots of things, but whatever talents God has given you, God wants you to use for his glory and to serve one another. Where are you at in life? What is your situation? It doesn't matter. You can serve. Interesting enough, John chapter 19, Jesus on the cross. He can't do anything else. He's on the cross. What does he say from the cross? Ask a lot of questions today. Well, he does say that. That's true. I forgot that. Yeah, it is finished, he says. But he also says, take care of my mum. He still loves his mum. 
and we assume it's the servant, uh, the sorry, the disciple who writes that document, John, who he says that to. Doesn't matter where you are, what happens, love and service is is so important. Here we are with the right attitudes of glorifying God. Here we are with someone who sets the course to glorify him in all that we do and say. Here here we are as people who use what gifts and talents God has given us, loving each other deeply to all to the glory of God. It's actually quite a simple message, isn't it? We love, we do good. We serve one another, and in all that we do, we glorify God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, it is a simple message, but it's not that easy to do. So we ask, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to love one another deeply. Help us to have Christ's attitude of love and service and of glorifying and obeying you. Lord, help us to know that to to live honouring lives to you, to believe you, to trust in you and to pattern our lives is doing your will. Thank you. We have a way of living which is very different to other people. It is alien. Other concerns are all around them. They're doing and they're living and they're being. Lord, we pray that you would help us to know that we are yours to serve you and to love you. Help us to fit all that in. We don't, there is also great things to be enjoyed. Travel, holidays, family, friends, many activities we can pursue. We pray that we would pursue them in a way that honours you. We want to honour you. Give us hearts that are broken and open to you. Make us more like your son, our Lord Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.